Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not in today. Today, today is Friday. It's at some point in the fall, and I think it's 2022. Are we in September still? Yeah, okay. 16th. September 16th. We're already halfway there. What is that? We're halfway there. We are halfway to September, October. I had to think it through. So I got to tell you guys, I just finished, what did we call it? A potato chip test? Potato chip challenge. Potato chip challenge where I uh, anonymously, gosh, my brain's not working. Uh, what do you Blind. say? Blind taste tested seven flavors of potato chip. And I found out three make me want to die because they are so deeply, truly, and completely horrid. But all the others were delicious. Ish. And I found out Flaming Hot has no spice at all. But uh, I thought that was pretty fun. And then I had to cleanse my palate with chocolate chip cookies. So, <laughs> that's science. Uh, so I'm so fired up to get after your questions today. And uh, we will do that. A reminder that next week we're going to continue our Heroes of the Faith. You have to say it like that. Heroes of the Faith. It's like General Mike Stone. Remember when we had General Mike Stone on here who has a superhero, superhero name? You know, there is a statistical chance that he actually has a costume and fights crime anonymously. If you think about it, you're, what is he, a two or three star general? And his name is Mike Stone. And he, he looks fit. I wouldn't fight him. I mean, I would, but he would need to be, like, tied up. And then I would fight him. But there's a distinct possibility. Does anyone know? Does he, is he a billionaire? Like, because he might have a Batman suit. Where's Rachel? Um, so, okay. Anyway. What was it? Remember? I was doing, no? Uh, General Mike Stone. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, he could be a superhero. It is possible, bordering on likely. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're going to get after the questions today. And the first one is from a buddy of mine from my last assignment named Noah. And I love this kid. Although it's so funny. He, uh, I left there, oh my gosh, what, 18, 19, five years ago. He grew 73 feet in that amount of time. I, I saw a picture of him on Facebook, and I'm like, that kid could fight me. <coughs> Please don't, Noah. But anyway, Noah had something very tragic happen to him, and he asked me about it, gave me permission to share his name, and to kind of walk us through it. And uh, so uh, he, he told me, Father, recently my best friend uh, committed suicide. I questioned God for a while. Why could God not help him that night? Uh, why couldn't have God have nudged him uh, the right way? So Noah, of course, first things first, I'm so sorry. Um, this is something you should not have to deal with. Uh, and the U.S. has one of the highest suicide rates, get this, in the history of the world um, that we know of. There's something um, so broken in us right now uh, and it's been for some time. So uh, let me just say that I love you and I'm proud of you. I mean it. And I'm so honored that you would give me this question. Um, so we're going to get after it. And the key thing I think that I'm going to ask you to remember 
is that people used to believe that someone who committed suicide, uh, that they automatically went to hell, right? And why would people think that? Well, because they didn't understand psychology. They didn't understand how the mind works, or sometimes it doesn't work well. And so in the end, they would say, it's such an irrational thing to take your own life that there must, it must mean there was, there's something wrong with their soul. And over time, the church has taught us this. She says that it is such an irrational act that there must be something wrong with their mind, that they weren't free to do something else, that it's not a rational choice anyone can make. I, I mean, accepting, of course, times of war or sacrificing yourself for a greater good. Outside of that, we look and we say, there must have been something so broken in their mind that um, they didn't have, as far as they knew, any choice. And one of the things um, we need to do are pray for people who have struggles with darkness, people who struggle with depression or what, what they call suicidal ideation, namely this kind of pattern of thoughts where they can't get the idea out of their head. And pray for those folks and try to be um, as good a friend as we can while understanding that even if we're the best friend in the world, it's not going to help. It's not a problem that humans can solve. So uh, why didn't God stop him? Because uh, he can't, right? That what makes us human in terms of how we look at the universe is that we are free, okay? And as long as we're free, uh, God, well, I'm sorry, let me try to say it this way. When God made humans, he made us to fulfill a very unique role in creation. Namely, we have something called free will. And what does that mean? That means we are free to love God or hate God. We're free to ignore God or think about God all the time. We are free. And why is that important to God? Well, because God is love. And when we say God is love, well, what love needs is to be directed at something that can love him back, but doesn't have to. So like your buddy, uh, your buddy who's gone, he loved you. You loved him. You didn't have to. This wasn't your brother. This wasn't your mom or your dad. This was someone you picked and he picked you. And that's what made your friendship so cool, um, I would assume, is he picked you and he didn't have to. Okay. Well, that's how humans were created by God. Uh, because like my dog is here and I love my dog, but I don't love my dog like I love you. Uh, why? You don't have to love me back. He kind of does, right? He, he, he kind of does. It's just how it works. My dog doesn't have the ability to choose much at all. Um, humans can choose. And that's why we're so special in creation. That's why it says in, in scripture that we're higher than the angels, that we're little less than gods, because we're the last things in the universe that we know of that can choose to be human or choose not to be human. We can choose right or we can choose wrong. Again, dogs can't sin. Uh, why? Because they don't have choices. 
If they feel something, they act on it. So what God can't do is take something that has free will and move them around like a chess piece. We have to cooperate. Okay. Now, all that to tell you, that's a pretty big piece, I hope, in the end of a kind of comfort. Because again, if we go back to the first point, what he did was not a rational act, then we assume he wasn't free. Okay, does, does, this, does this make sense? Um, what you can take comfort in is the knowledge that many people who have had uh, direct contact with our Lord or with our Blessed Mother, they've been told that when someone takes their own life, that our Blessed Mother comes to them right at that moment and offers to take them to heaven if they'll let her. Yeah, and why? Because again, the assumption is they couldn't do different. I, I don't know if that's helpful, Noah, and I confess my brain is not as orderly today as I like it to be, but I promise you, God met him at that moment and, and wanted to get him home, right? Uh, after uh, he made his choice, or again, after he uh, did what he did, uh, the Catechism specifically says we shouldn't despair about the salvation of people who've taken their own lives. Okay, because again, we assume they weren't free to do something else. I don't know if you've got to this point yet, but you will. Uh, you do need to forgive your friend. He didn't mean to hurt you. He really didn't. He didn't mean to hurt his mom and dad or any of you. He just wasn't thinking right. And um, we pray that the Lord wrap him up and, and get him home. And then I'm going to ask you to pray for him every day. Right? Pray for him every day. Jesus, get him home and heal all of our broken hearts. So God can't trump our free will, unfortunately and fortunately. Um, but I'm telling you, when what was done was done, you know the Lord was kinder and more loving to him than we could ever be. Yeah? What do you think? You've been through this. Yeah? Okay. Um. And I've lost friends this way, yeah? Uh, so I'm with you, buddy, okay? And I, and I love you. Oh, and you got a great family. He does. I love his family. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, I got a, another question. Uh, I have a friend and former co-worker who is considering conversion to the Catholic faith. Now, if they do it, you get a toaster oven signed by the Pope. That's just a fact. Okay, I'm going to be totally honest. That's not true. Well, I mean, it could be true. If it is, I don't know about it. It's a standard it. toaster. It's a standard toaster. Actually, I need to get a new toaster. Did I tell you this? Yeah. Uh, okay, anyway, I have a friend and former co-worker who is considering conversion to the Catholic faith. What do you recommend to those who are considering joining the church? I've certainly given her your page and a few others on various social media platforms to get information so she can know more. What do you recommend? Um, a couple things. One, I'm a big fan of Peter Kraft. Uh, and he has a book, help me out, is his basics of the faith, or is his foundations of the faith, or I, I can't remember. Oh, do you mind looking it up? Because there were two that came out at the same time, and one was by Kraft, and they had really similar names. Uh, 
Um, and I, you know I'm going to say Kraft. You know it. Dr. Peter Kraft is my personal hero. Um, fundamentals of the faith. Fundamentals of the faith. I know what it's called. I don't need your help. Okay, I'm going to be totally... You know, I can still taste that awful ketchup potato chip. I swear to God. Isn't that terrible? Who came up with that demon sauce? You know who's, who sent it? Sister Teresa. Okay, Sister Teresa, let me just say this. First, I love you very much. Second, you're in danger of hell. Did she send those because she likes them? Because that's got to be a sign of demon possession. The fact that anyone would choose that potato chip when there are perfectly good sour cream and onion chips. <laughs> With green stuff. I'm not kidding. I can't get that out of my mouth. That's awful. Okay. Uh, so, obviously, I recommend him. Uh, to some extent, now hear me out. I don't necessarily recommend converts or people considering church do much on social media with Catholics. And, and I'll tell you why. Okay? True thing. Um, oh, forgive me. I've met some of these folks who make their living off of Catholic social media. And the trouble with that is that you have to keep your audience happy. Yeah? Um... And I don't know how else to say it. So, for example, two days ago, I put up a thing about some. So, the member of the U.S. Uh, the Diocese of Lansing. Gosh, I'm a mess today. I can't make talk. The, I'm doing okay. All right. The Diocese of Lansing asked us to do 54 days of prayer pertaining to this proposal three. Right. And one of the things, and I hate this. Why doesn't the church spend its money on helping moms? Turns out we do all the frickin' time. And I found out they say it cost them 30 cents to make those cards. That's it. Right. Uh, be this as it may. I just wrote a post. And I'm like, look. <laughs> You call Catholic charities and you can get diapers, you can get all kinds of wonderful things. And it's been that way since before Road versus Wade. Um, and you would have thought that I said something awful. I lost 500 followers, which again, I'm gonna be blunt, I don't care. If like you read my page and you think, well, I love his inspiration, but not the whole defend babies lives thing. Well, I'm okay with you not following me anymore. Right? Or maybe you read it and you think, I don't agree at all, but I can still listen to someone I don't agree with on some topics. I do that all the time. You know, if I was making money off that, if my income was dependent on it, then I might hold back from something that would challenge my audience. And I think I've explained this phenomenon where people will write me and say, listen to father so-and-so, he speaks the truth. And it's always that he agrees with them. Yeah, that's arrogant and it's destructive. Uh, I have yet to hear a conservative Catholic commentator talk about any of the dangers of conservative Catholicism. I have yet to hear a liberal Catholic commentator do anything challenging liberal Catholics. It's always challenging the other person. So forgive the rant, but I feel it's important. Uh, if you recommend a podcast or a something where someone is earning their income off of it, you might want to be careful. 
because those folks are very good at making specific kinds of Catholics, but not so good at making saints. Yeah? Does that help? Okay. So I love Crave's Fundamentals of the Faith. It's hard to beat. It's written by a convert. Uh, And although he wasn't Catholic, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, you simply can't beat. Back then, Anglicans and Romans were very, very, very similar. Um, And I think that's fair to say. You know, it's changed a lot. Okay. So hope that helped. If not, let me know. Because, Lonnie, you got a ton of good sources, right? Do you have, okay, how's this? You heard the question. Is there anything you would recommend for someone who's kind of sniffing around the Catholic faith? Find a parish that's doing the Christ Life Evangelization Program. Christ Life Evangelization Program. Uh, I did get a primer on this, and and it is banging. I, I, I do recommend that as well. Christ Life Evangelization Program. Uh, if you find a parish near you who's exercising that ministry, it's primo. That's right, it was you who showed me, wasn't it? Okay, my big bro. All right. Um, is the priest the only one? Yes. Should I finish the question? Okay. Is the Oops, it went away. No, it's just moved up. Okay, there it is. Wait, Brenda sent me the ketchup potato chips? Oh, I thought we were friends. And then it says, Sister Teresa does not like them. She loves them. Okay, again, Sister Teresa, Brenda, I love you both. I urge you to go to confession. Your taste buds truly have been infected by Satan. Yeah, no offense. Right? You can say anything horrible you want, but if you follow it up with no offense, it doesn't count. That's in the Geneva Convention. Is the priest the only one who can break the communion host in half while distributing communion? A deacon offered me half a host. I did not see him break it. Yeah. Uh, No. Uh, Whoever is distributing communion can break the host. Um, And if he offered you half a host and you didn't see him break it, one of two things happened that I can think of. Uh, One is he did what I'll do. When I see I'm going to need to break them, I start breaking a ton of them inside the ciboria in between folk coming up. Another possibility is that it was a host that was broken in transit, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, so no biggie. Um, uh, and, and any properly trained Eucharistic minister can break the host for need, not for, you know, fun. <laughs> Okay, Father, is it bad that every time I drive by the hot dog stand, I look to see if you are there? No, that's virtue. Um, in fact, there are prophecies uh, about my arrival at the hot dog stand. And uh, I urge you to parse the secret codes in Scripture to find them. Because if you do so, you will know precisely when Jesus is coming back. I know, but I'm not telling you guys. I promised. So, No, I... If I could, like, erect a tent next to the hot dog stand, I would. I would just live there. Let's save time. (laughs) You know. When you state God spoke to people in the Bible, was his voice literally an outside voice? Or was it God's voice people heard in their heads? I don't know. I think it depends on the story you're talking about, right? Like... We know a few times when God the Father spoke to Jesus, 
It says the crowds heard. Now, it also says that they thought it was thunder, some of them. Uh, we know that when God spoke to Elijah, it was like a soft, gentle breeze. Um, there's a bunch of these in the Bible, right? Now, when we were reading Abraham, it was pretty clear God was standing next to him, talking to him. Um, it makes reference, you may remember in the scripture, it says, Abraham stepped closer to the Lord. Which is, I, I love that. Be like, I, I'd be like, Lord, I know you love me. I'm just worried you don't like me. Uh, but, uh, right, remember that? It says right there, it says, Abraham saw the Lord and drew closer to him. And then they had that awesome dialogue. I still taste ketchup, potato chips. Gosh. Those things are awful. What is that, big bro? All right, I'm going to try... Coconut water? I didn't know there was such a thing. Are you messing with your little brother? No. Oh, okay. Mm, that's potent. You're right. Woo! That'll clean the taste buds. All right. Thank you, big bro. All right. Okay. Uh, did I answer that question? I think sometimes it's in their heads. I think sometimes God speaks from outside in, other times inside out. Um, yeah. It seems now... Right, like people will ask me this sometimes. Why doesn't God do the crazy stuff that he used to do? Um, and why doesn't God speak so clearly like he used to? And I'd offer two thoughts. And one of them, and I'm dead serious. Uh, I really believe this. this. This might sound cheesy, but I believe this. I can't remember the name of the rabbi. But when someone asked him, why doesn't God speak to us? Like he spoke to Abraham and Moses. And do you know this, what his answer was? We're not humble enough. We would never stoop so low as to look God eye to eye. Um, we are too busy immersed in the powerful. We're too busy manipulating the creative world instead of entering it. We lack humility. Um, if God spoke, we wouldn't know what to do because we wouldn't necessarily know his voice. Like Elijah said, like Elijah experienced firsthand, it's not thunder and lightning. It's not loud. He had to work to hear it, right? As this gentle, cool breeze, you know, powerful stuff. And I think second, to some extent, God's done with what we need to know. Um, he says at the end of Revelations, basically, I'm done talking. You have all the information you need. Now, he doesn't mean he's done speaking to us, uh, but he's definitely done with the lack of subtlety required to get our attention. Um, and it's fascinating to think of. It really is. I think it's a bit like when I talked last week about God trusting us, which is insane. I wouldn't trust me with like a piece of paper. Uh, but he trusts us with his heart. Wow. Um, yeah, anyway, I think I got off on a tangent. Okay, I pray to my son and husband's guardian angels daily. Do you think they hear these prayers? I don't know. Do they? I, I, I don't know. I should find that out, though. It's a fine question. Um, I know Father Cantalamesa said that he will ask his guardian angel 
to go to somebody else's guardian angel and do something or say something or pray. Um, yeah. Yeah, hit me. In the auxilium Christian Orum prayers, yeah. the last prayer we pray is all you holy angels pray for us. Yeah. So I'm assuming that Okay, I dig it. Yeah, because angels are constantly praying or they're not angels, right? Um, yeah, okay. I dig it. I think you can. And I mean, of course you can. Should you? Yeah, I think so. And if nothing else, if you are, um, come Holy Spirit, if you are not confident about that, then I know our tradition says you can ask your guardian angel to talk to his guardian angel. Uh, uh, and in fact, Father, um, what's his name? The great exorcist who just died recently. Amorth. Amorth. Uh, he said whenever he went in to do an exorcism, one of the first things he did when he got in the room was ask his guardian angel to go help that guardian angel, which that's intense. I love that cat. Okay. <clears throat> I don't understand something. Story of my life. Uh, it says that Jesus prayed in the garden the night before he was crucified, but wasn't he incarcerated at that time? Yeah. Okay. One thing you want to remember is the timeline's a little muddled. Uh, why? Uh, there's a great book about this by, well, it's a three series book by a guy named Raymond Brown who's considered probably one of the greatest Joanine scholars of the last 500 years, truly. And he tried to do a timeline. So like our timeline is what? Thursday is Last Supper. Friday is, and then Thursday night is a rest in the garden. Friday is torture and crucifixion. Sunday is rest, yeah? And he points out that's our way of celebrating. Scripture doesn't really tell us that at all. Um, that what we put down as three days might have taken a lot longer than that. Okay. Um, and you might say, well, why didn't they say on this night and then the next day? And that's just not how they thought. Right. But think about all that happened. It, it really couldn't have happened from Thursday night in the garden to Friday at 3 p.m. death. It just couldn't have. Um, and it could have been a week and a day. Like, for example, scourging took hours, hours, right? Uh, just scourging. Uh, why? Because uh, you had to have the right people doing that. Uh, they used something called a cat of nine tails, okay? And it was this leather kind of grip with nine uh, straps, for lack of a better term, and then they'd put pottery shards, arrowheads, um, anything sharp, fish hooks. They always had a fish hook at the end. And why, what was the idea? Well, you had to throw it so it would catch on one side and then it would tear when you pulled it off, okay? So Roman law said 39. You could do 39 of those. And it was a death sentence, right? No, you, you didn't recover from um, scourging. Well, you'd have to have the right guy do it, and, and this is terrible, but truly, you can look these things up. They had to take breaks. It was hard. They were throwing a big, heavy object and then shredding someone as they pulled it back to themselves. And then you would have to wrap the person every once in a while 
to get the skin to clot, the blood to clot. Uh, that's just one example. Here's another one. They gathered the Sanhedrin. Ray Brown points this out. That would have taken five hours, minimum, right? Why? Okay, well, you got to send runners all through the city to everybody's house. You're talking 100 people. And then they had to wake them up because it was a dead of night. And then they had rituals. You didn't just jump out of bed and throw your stuff on. Now, Romans did. And I could talk about that because it's useless info. Uh, but for the Jews, there was a cleansing ritual. There was like, you know, and they put on, frankly, a lot more clothes than the Romans did. And then you had to walk these old men, sometimes more than two miles. And then you had to wait till they were all there. Um, and that happened. You know, we could just go on and on, but I, I hope you get the idea. The way we celebrated it, I don't think anyone intended for us to think, okay, Thursday night, the next, very next day, and then the very next day. There might have been a week total. Um, the only thing I think we're sure of is he died Friday. Am I saying this right? Yes. He died Friday at 3 p.m. Um, and that he rose three days later. That's the only thing we're real sure of. Uh, but you may remember, oh, somebody figured this out, and I think it was Ray Brown. Well, they said, well, this is easy. When was Passover that year? <laughs> right? That's all you had to figure out, because Holy Thursday, what we call Holy Thursday, happened on Passover. When did Passover happen? Well, on Friday nights. Right? A Sabbath. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So they, so they seldom mention a day or yeah. I think the only one they said the day was Friday at three o'clock. He took his last breath, right? And and then they even go so far as to say the Jews asked the Romans to break the legs of the crucified people. Right. Because you can't Jewish law forbade them from having a dead or a, a tortured person hanging there during Sabbath. So why break their legs? Because that's the only way you could breathe. Right. So when you were crucified, you didn't die from it. You died of exposure. They would leave you there for days. Uh, you had to take your feet. Right. Your feet are bound together. They're, they drove the nail through the top of your foot through it through the top of the other foot out the bottom and into the little platform and they would use a platform because you had to dig your toes and lift your legs up to breathe uh, which as you can imagine was exceptionally hard so they said well let's just break their legs why well then they can't breathe they'll suffocate but you may remember when they got to Jesus who had been scourged they never did that. You scourged them or you crucified them. With Jesus, they did both. Um, what did they do? It says, well, they looked. Well, he was already dead. And then to make sure he was dead, they put the spear in a place where it says blood and water came out, which means his lungs had filled, right? Uh, the pericordial sac, I think it's called around his heart, just blew up. And that's why and Jesus drowned, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, so... Um, yeah, and scripture says they said, break his legs because Sabbath is going to start soon. That was pretty gross. <laughs> Sorry. 
Okay, when I, when teaching high school seniors, oh, Jesus bless you. Uh, when teaching high school seniors in theology class, I used Dr. Scott Hahn's book, Rome Sweet Home. Uh, that is a fine book. I had a few college freshmen come back and asked to borrow the book to answer questions their non-Catholic roommates had. This was a well-received book. Wow, whoever submitted this, thank you so much. That's a great book. I, I truly enjoy it as well. And you know what other one by him I just am googly for is The Lamb's Supper. Uh, I cannot say enough about those two books. Uh, sweet Lord, Woo! good stuff. How we doing? Are people hanging in there? Mm -hmm. I feel very scattery today, but you're saying it's going all right. Okay. Because Lonnie's over here flipping me off the whole time. I'm just kidding. Just some of the time. It's all the ketchup. Oh, gosh. Don't even. Why, let's not talk about it. I think I have PTSD from the ketchup. <laughs> and I don't mind ketchup, like, on a hamburger, real light. Like, I don't hate ketchup, per se. I just... Chips... I mean, ketchup. it is your largest sponsor. Right. And this show's brought to you by Heinz Ketchup. I'll drink a gallon of it for a million bucks. <laughs> That'd be cool. Be like, how did you guys get all that free tuition for your kids? Father Joe drank ketchup. A whole gallon. I would, and I would probably then be a martyr. Because <laughs> it would kill you? You know, it says, our, our tradition says, if you're martyred, you don't go to Perg. Right? You don't go to purgatory. You just blow right by it. And I would blow by it and make fun of everybody in purgatory. I'd be like, ah, losers! You know, and then they'd probably put me in purg. Okay, dear Father Joe, hi. I am curious about your thoughts on Mark 5, 19. No, you should be curious about my thoughts on Mark 5, 11. My favorite verse in the New Testament. Would you like to hear it? Okay. My favorite verse, Mark 5, 11, quote, and on the hillside, a large group of pigs were eating. <laughs> Isn't that great? Jeff Rose and I used to give people that scripture as an encouragement. Seriously, we were awful. Be like, hey, can you pray for me? Oh, yeah. Hey, when you get home, look up Mark 5, 11. It'll really lift your heart. <laughs> as priests or kids? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Father Joe, I'm curious about your thoughts on Mark 5:19. After Jesus cast demons out and sent them into the pigs, the people there asked him to leave. The man he had healed wanted to go with him, but Jesus said that he should stay and tell the people, quote, how much the Lord has done for you. This is in sharp contrast to the many places where Jesus tells people to keep quiet, the messianic secret. Any thoughts on why this case was different? Yeah, uh, Jesus wasn't around Jews at this point. He was around Samaritans. Um, and their relationship with such things was different. Why would they ask him to leave? Precisely because he was a Jew. Um, that would have unnerved them that he was even there. You and I don't understand this level of hate. We really don't, between Jews and Samaritans. We don't have a cultural comparison, and I mean that, there, uh, that I can think of. Democrats and MAGA Republicans. Yeah. You know what's getting there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, think of the people who are so psychotic about being a Democrat or so psychotic about being a Republican that they can't have friends of the other. Now picture a whole nation of that. Yeah. 
That's actually a good way to, like, there's nothing you can ever say that they'll believe. There's nothing you can ever, like, Jesus Christ could appear and say your political party is wrong. And they're like, fake news, Jesus. You know, it's just, I just made that up. Would you get that from MSNBC? Uh, and if so, shame on you, Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? Seriously. Be like, good news, Jesus appeared to me. Uh, bad news, my choice was that I'm wrong about something or Jesus is. So I'm going with Jesus. You don't see me getting crucified. Okay, did I go too far? Too far? There's a line. The line's behind me. <laughs> yeah. So why would they tell Jesus to leave? Because uh, he was a Jew in a Samaritan thing. And he just drove out a legion of demons. Now, Jews and Samaritans had their own exorcism rituals, but by their own admission, they were rarely successful. And they were very long. Jesus rolls up on this cat and just get out. And they even, you may remember, the demons even negotiate with him. Uh, that would have freaked anybody out. Uh, you and I are used to it. But this is crazy, right? And uh, so that's why. Now then, why would Jesus tell the guy to, that he should tell others? Well, simple. Uh, the Samaritans would not have any expectation of Jesus being crowned king. The Jews did. The Jews believed when they found the Messiah that he would be their political, military, spiritual leader. Samaritans didn't have that. Okay. Does that make sense? So Jesus, when he tells people, don't say why. Don't say who did this. There's a few reasons, we assume. And one of them being what happens to Jesus when people in huge groups see miracles. Remember, every time it says they would have carried Jesus off to make him their king. But Jesus bugged out. Samaritans wouldn't do that. Okay. Um, what happens to your guardian angel after you pass away? Well, St. Thomas Aquinas says they go with us to heaven, right? And they're right next to us. Now, of course, we're speculating, uh, but uh, that seems to be our traditional Catholic belief. It's not dogma. It's not doctrine. It's what we believe. Um, but they join us in heaven. And I assume Lonnie's will have some things to say to him. Remember? Yeah, we talked about, we always used to joke that Lonnie's guardian angel has PTSD. And he's probably a heavy smoker now. It's like, okay, we made it. Uh, my friend has a born-again Christian friend who states saints do not do miracles. In their religion, they do not recognize them. This friend states anyone who follows Jesus is a saint. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, to some extent, it's just one of those things that sometimes, and I hope this doesn't sound terrible, but sometimes um, some Protestants, some of our Protestant brothers and sisters are more interested in not being Catholic than in anything else, right? So if the church says the sky is blue, they're like, no, 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 it can't be, right? It's just, it's a, it's not helpful. And I hope no one listening to this thinks we don't do stupid things. Uh, that's not my point. But on this, sometimes I think uh, there is a deep insecurity in some of our ministers of Protestant congregations where as soon as they hear Catholics believe something, they find a way that it shouldn't be. Okay, And this is kind of a perfect case. 
uh, saints don't do miracles. Uh, okay. Uh, someone should tell St. Paul that. Because he did a bunch of them. Someone should tell St. John. Someone should tell St. Peter. I mean, all of Acts has miracle after miracle. And we can get all verbose and say, well, God did the miracle through them. Duh. We believe that too. Right? You know what I mean? It just seems like parsing words to try to make Catholics be wrong. Uh, I hope that isn't too aggressive. No? Okay. And then it says, anyone who follows Jesus is a saint. Absolutely. Right? But there's a few kinds of saints. Right? Uh, There's the saints in potential, which I believe we are all. There's the saints in light, as it says in scripture. There's the saints in the kingdom of heaven. So it's different kind of saints. Is a high school football player a football player? Yes. Is he the same football player as a pro one? Uh, No. And it's the same kind of thing here. Yeah. Hey, Father Joe. Hey. What is the name of the website you brought your scapular from? Oh my gosh, I can't believe you asked me this because someone else asked me and I said, well, I'll check it out. And then two things happened. One, I can't remember who I said that to, which would seem a key piece of data. And two, I can't find the website. Like I typed in heavy duty scapular and I was like, I don't know if that's the one I bought it from, but I need a new one because this one smells. And I put it in the washing machine and then it smelled like you know, um, whatever the stuff is. Okay, stop talking. (laughs) Bleach. Yeah. Uh, Father, I'm a little confused. Story of my life. So if we know for a fact that Jesus died at 3 p.m. on Friday and then rose three days later, wouldn't that be Monday? Yet we celebrate Easter on Easter Monday. The counting of days... Uh, is a little different, but so you go Friday 3 p.m. and then as soon as Friday ends, which for the Jews would have been about 5:30 p.m., whenever the sun hit a certain mark, the shadow uh, on the wall of the temple. So then Friday is a day, even though it's like two hours, uh, and then Saturday until sunset, and then Sunday. I hope that helps. They just do days different than us, okay? And, and why? Well, they didn't do clocks. They didn't go three o'clock. They didn't. Why would we know it's three o'clock? Well, it's the change of the guard. But the Romans didn't even really call it three o'clock. They called it. Oh shoot! Is it the second hour, or something, or the third hour, the third watch? That's what it was. They called it the second or third watch, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so they just kept time different. So we say three days. You and I would say one full day, <laughs> maybe another full day, and then a half a day. That's probably how we'd describe it. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was on the Yeah. But they would have counted Friday. You and I wouldn't. We'd be like, well, that was two hours. They're like, that's a day. Yeah. Were the Samaritans Sadducees or Pharisees? Oh, they were neither. Um, Samaritans were not Jews, and only Jews could be Sadducees or Pharisees. So Sadducees and Pharisees, and then there was a group called Essenes, and there was a group called Zealots. Uh, There were all kinds of different parties within Judaism, and they agreed on some things and disagreed on others. Uh, Samaritans were a totally different breed of cat. They were, in the Jews' mind, 
a perverted Judaism that got corrupted by pagans. Uh, and again, I'm hyper simplifying, but uh, Samaritans used to be Jews and then they weren't. And I can go through that whole thing. Oh, wait, I did, didn't I? I did a whole show on this. Okay, if we can, we're going to try to find that Samaritans and Jews shows. Joe, Samaritans and Jews show, uh, because I, I've, I heard a lot of people tell me that was super helpful. And I really went into detail about it. It was yeah. just this summer, I believe. I think so. Yeah. So I hope that helps. Were Samaritans Sadducees or Pharisees? They were neither. Okay, they were their own thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. According to Dr. Peter Kraft, our guardian angels can assist the guardian angels of others when we ask it of them. Praise the Lord. Kraft is good at that stuff. I, I'm serious. His consequence philosophy is brilliant. So if Kraft says it and Uncle Lonnie says it, I believe it. And that settles it. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Like when you were a kid, when I was a kid, there was a lot of bumper stickers that would say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Do you remember that? That was, oh, that was, maybe it was a, maybe it was a redneck thing. We grew up rednecks, but it was always funny because I remember truly the Sunday at church where Jesus was like, if your eye causes you to sin, rip it out. And I'm like, I wonder how many of those cats driving have two eyes. <laughs> That's real. Yeah. The biggest one was WWJD or J. W W. What would Jesus do? Yeah, I remember that fad, and I don't know why I hated it. Right. Well, then they would put it on like suburbans and say. Yeah. Well, Jesus would sell his bourbon and help the poor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he would drive a much smaller car. <laughs> we joked, Dan and I were just joking about this, and I bet it was the same where you grew up. You had a small house with 800 kids. And now you've got these huge mansions with 1.4 kids. Yeah. And you're like, the world has changed. Yeah. And do you remember like packing in vehicles? Did you guys ever do this? I mean, where you were like, if we're in an accident, we'll be fine because no one will move. <laughs> there is no room to be like, you know, well, the car's trashed. I'm fine. You know, the kids on the outside, they're lost, but we can replace them. <laughs> you you know. didn't need airbags. You sat next to them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The airbag was the fat kid, you know. <sighs> Thanks, Charlie. Have another ho ho. There's the line. Yeah. Oh, we found the line. Yes, okay. The line. <laughs> we. Well, who was I just telling this to yesterday? Oh my gosh, they were like, "Oh, you would have been a good dad." I says, "Are you kidding? My kid would be the felly, smelly fat kid with a gun fixation, like the one where the other kids go home and we're like." I'm going to be honest, Frank is creeping me out. And then the parents call the school and they're like, you know. Frank Crawford. Like, Wait, you got to bathe him? Frank Crawford. Yeah. Frank. And that's where that'd be me. What, you're supposed to bathe him? Okay. Um, I saw this quote hanging in the doctor's office. Quote, babies are God's opinion that the world should go on. Oh, that's nice. Uh, I thought it was sweet but thought it would be so attacked by today's world. <laughs> Definitely. During conception, is God the... During conception, is God the primary creator? Or is he acting secondary to the male-female actions? Is every soul already known by God even before they are created physically? Sorry for the packed question. Oh, it's a lovely question. 
uh, I think, well, God is the primary creator, right? And what God, I don't know what phrase to use, has set up is that when a man and a woman's bodies come together, their souls come together too, right? We are body, soul, unities. And this is why for us, sex is not recreational. The fact that it's happy is wonderful, but the primary thing we're doing is worshiping. And when two body-soul unities come together, uh, there is, you know, outside of age, always the possibility that those two souls will create a soul. Now, God created the soul, I think is the best way to put it. But he set up this system that when you and I act like God, we make things like God, right? God is three persons so perfect in their love that they're one. When two people are perf- uh, trying to be perfect in their love, namely, I'm a body-soul unity. So I'm going to join my body to your body. And the parts line up, forgive the phrase, right? No, I mean that. That's, that's literally John Paul II said it. The truth of human sexuality is expressed in the body. They line up. <laughs> and when the bodies line up, the souls line up. And at that moment of conception, something eternal is created. Right? We might kill the body, and we do, what, 3,000 times a day in this country. But the soul doesn't die. The soul's eternal. It's going to outlive the galaxy. Uh, this is why the church is so goofy by the world's perspective about sex. Because the world's thing is, that feels great. We're like, yeah, but you, you need to have respect for what can happen here. You gotta have respect for the act, respect for the two people doing that. Need to respect each other and need to respect that. You have to actually work to make that not create life. I don't know how to say it. Right. And again, you know what? Since we're on a Crave draw, Crave said it's so messed up the way we worship sex. Um, And he talked about how God gave us something. And he said, if you want to create humans, do this. And we're like, we would like to do that and not make humans. Um, And how sad that is. Um, We want to treat it like fun. And again, it's fun, <laughs> but that's the effect. We want to treat the effect as the goal, and that's where we get lost. Um, we have devalued each other. Um, uh, yeah, another person does not exist for you to feel good about you. They exist as a child of God. And if you reduce them as a means for you to feel gratified, you've done something awful truly awful and you know and I, again if, if you don't mind all the abortion discussion now on my Facebook page because I dared to say uh, this nobody's arguing with me about whether it's a life which just astounds me right it's well are you gonna adopt wait so you think it's okay to take every life I personally won't take care of that is that is that our way of thinking now? Oh my gosh, that's a lot. I'll try. 
<laughs> Two, yeah, I'll adopt. I don't know what that has to do with you pretending that you didn't know what could happen. But then what's the next step? Well, if I get pregnant, I could die. Okay, that's different. And any rational person can see that. Do I really need to state that? That the 96% of abortions that are birth control uh, are different than the 3% that are about the health of the mum or rape or incest. Rape and incest is half of 1% of all abortions. You get me? No one will argue the issue with me. They'll argue the extra. Well, you're not really pro-life because you don't believe this. A, yeah, I believe that. I don't know where you got your thinking from. B, what does that have to do with this? You're not pro-life. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Nobody will talk about this because we worship sex. We absolutely, we will sacrifice anything for it. We'll sacrifice covenants. We'll sacrifice the stability of children. We'll sacrifice lives um, for sex. I've seen it. And again, please don't do that. So all divorce it? No, no. When, when I talk about the norm, don't pull in the extreme, right? Uh, yes, there are divorces that should absolutely happen. Oh my gosh. But do you really think that's a majority of them? Do you really think that 50% of marriage is ending in divorce? Do you, it, I, I'm going off. I need to stop. But every time we try to have a rational discussion, what does someone do? Well, what about this extreme case? Okay, yes, that's different. And I knew that, and so did you. And if you didn't know it, me telling you won't help. Yeah? Let's talk. Is that a human? And if it isn't, when does it become one? And who decides? Right? And, and in fact, you know what? I can't believe I remembered. I got an email from someone. Well, I've been talking about this with someone, but they say, yeah, they're human, but they're not persons. Right? When they're persons, we protect them. Oh, I would love for six million Jews to talk to you about this, but they're all dead. Right? Every one of them. Because somebody went, those aren't persons, and they just happen to have an army. Do you really want to get into that distinction? Do you really want to get into that distinction? Oh, it'll never come to that. Again, we can check with those six million Jews. Ask how many of them said it'll never come to that. Would you have thought 10 years ago that we'd have to find out? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, son. I know you're being taught that gender is a social construct, but that's not true. Did you think we'd be here? It, it really? Uh, the devil doesn't stop naturally. Uh, I mean, honestly, would you ever thought this? Yeah. So there's just no, you know, I no longer people, oh, that's a slippery slope argument. Yeah, we're sliding at 70 miles per hour, so I'm totally comfortable with that. Can you imagine that... Five years ago, somebody could convince you that, oh, yeah, Congress is changing all the words so that they say humans who give birth instead of women. <laughs> right? And that, if you question it, oh, that's violence against trans people. Oh, no, that, 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 that's not. I can show you violence. I had a lot of it growing up. That ain't violence. Yeah. If your system of thought is so fragile that a question obliterates it, 
oh, the question's not the problem. You wouldn't believe what people question about me. That's life. I went off. That's okay. Really? Mm -hmm. Dang it. Yeah. Okay. I think we can save the rest for next week. Woo! Yeah, because I'm tired now. I just want you to talk a little bit about this morning. Your button. Uh, <gasps> I didn't wear it. Oh, I'm, I'm a poopy head. Okay, so for those of you in Genesee County, you may know of Hurley Hospital. Um, and Hurley Hospital uh, has a children's hospital, and they have this cool button where, mir oh, wait, this one? Yep. Where miracles happen every day? Okay, and they're doing a, I'm sorry, I keep switching on you. They're doing a fundraiser, and I just went on the radio and spoke about it before our show. If you're in a position to help them, please do so. Um, Hurley's Children's Hospital. Um, and uh, I just thank the Lord for them. They're actively working to help. Yeah. What's Ms. up, Uncle Lonnie? Jennifer just sent in the website for that scapulars. Thing. Oh, bless her heart. It's scapulars.com. Scapulars.com. Would you thank her? That's Jennifer. Um, okay. So for those of you asking about scapulars, and Uncle Lonnie, will you help me remember? Because I do want to get more. Okay. Scapulars.com. Now, what I did was I got their uh, heavy-duty one, and I know that sounds funny, but I just like it. I'm tough on scapulars. And uh, this one, you can throw in the washer. You can. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Um, I think I should. Didn't anyone find that funny? It smells like... Mm -hmm. No, mine ain't bad. I, all I can smell and taste, I'm serious, are those demonic ketchup potatoes. And I'm serious. That taste is not going to leave my mouth. Even the coconut water didn't... I mean, it helped for a little bit. And maybe it's all my head. Probably. At least there's something up there. So, um... Oh, I guess that's it. Okay. So thank you guys for tuning in. And again, if you don't mind, sorry guys, I just want to thank Noah. And thank you for letting me share that question. I thought that was very generous of him, right? That Noah, that's actually, if you ask me a key thing, we're all in pain. And sometimes there's more pain than other times. But to allow our pain to help other people is truly a holy thing. It really is, bro. That's a holy thing. I'm hurting. So no, I'm going to make sure other people don't hurt that way. Or I'm hurting and I need to know. So, you know, ah, way to go. Um, oh, you can text Hurley, H-U-R-L-E-Y, to the number 51555. Shouldn't they have just put five fives? Wouldn't that have been easier? <laughs> okay. Anyway. You can tune into Cars 108 until like three or four this Okay. Week. Cars 108, Genesee County, the Flint area. Yeah. Uh, or you can text, you can text 51555. You text to that number the word Hurley. Okay. And then there's a chance to donate if you'd like to do that as well. Okay. So before we go, I do, I did want to do this at the beginning. I do want to thank you guys so much. And I mean this, I promise this is not inauthentic. Um, getting all those weird comments on Facebook the other day reminded me of how blessed I am, how many of you take time out of your day to acknowledge something I've written or thank me or praise the Lord or share your own faith. And I read them. I do. I just couldn't keep up. Like one of the things I found is if I push like on each one, do you know this? It stops you. 
Like at a certain point, you just can't push like anymore. And we got hundreds of comments. So um, please know, I, I, I hope you know I do not take you for granted. I thank Jesus for you every day. And the moment this is no longer helpful to you, you need to feel no obligation to keep listening. Right. Uh, this isn't about me or about numbers. This is about me just trying to get the word out about Jesus and our faith in a way that's helpful. Right. So uh, with all of my heart, thank you. Uh, I received two things of cookies yesterday. One from my Martha, not your Martha, my Martha. And the other from our guest who brought me cookies. Cookies, uh, Yeah, and I got to tell you, something happened to the cookies. They've disappeared, and I do not feel bad. <laughs> so anyway, thank you guys for the love. Thank you for the, the gifts and the kindness and the letters. And the, I just don't even know how to say it, what's in my heart. But I promise you, it's, it's there, and I'm filled with gratitude. So I'll see you next week uh, when we talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We're on Jacob, Jacob, and I say uh, salad pray. Well, th- huh? Thursday, our guest. I don't remember. Uh, Bishop Earl. Oh, we got Uncle Earl next week. Okay, Bishop Earl will be our guest next Thursday. Um, the poor man, pray for him. Pray that God save him from this show. You know, he hates my beard, right? He's going to have scissors there. <laughs> He is. He always offers, Joe, if you want, I can cut your beard. And I always say, if you want, you can cut my beard. <laughs> Boom. King of the comebacks. Your face can cut my beard. I did say that to him, remember? Wasn't that on our show? He said something. The problem is he laughs at my jokes. And I'm like, if you want me to stop, you have to quit laughing. I'm a Pavlovian dog. You laugh, I'm just like, hey, uh, 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 you know. Right, smell the flower, you know. All right. Oh, wait, how about this? What if I put a whoopee cushion on his chair? Oh, yeah. I would need a donation of $1,000 for that. Well, we'll take it. If somebody wants to send in $1,000. And trust me, the money will go to Charity, a girl I'm currently dating. Um, I'm just kidding. I remember there was a comedian who always used to say, all the proceeds from tonight go to Charity. That's the name of my girlfriend. But, okay. Isn't that a good joke? I'm first time, you know who that was? Frank Caliando. Frank Caliando, before he got big, he used to end every show that way, and it was hilarious. The first, like, ten times I heard it, I'm like, yeah. But, okay, salad pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for these beautiful people and for their kindness and their support and their desire to know you better. And and Lord, for anything I got right today, I rejoice. You're so good. And for any I've got wrong, please undo any damage I did. Father, uh, we ask you to be with Noah's friend and guide him home safely to you. And we ask that you bless all of us with a real love for scripture and a deeper understanding every day of what you're trying to communicate to us. Lord, we ask that you protect us as a country, as a state. We ask that you stand by us as we try our best to stand for life. And Lord, we ask that you be with every expectant mom today. 
or every mom who is feeling a particular financial or spiritual or emotional strain right now just by being a mom. Heal their broken hearts and give them strength and courage and help us to sacrifice in whatever way is necessary to bless these kids. And Father, you know those people that we love so very much and worry about. And you know all those circumstances in our lives that we fret about. Well, we give all of them to you, Lord, because we love you so much and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you guys next week. And until then, peace. Is it over? No, it's never.